Welcome to uh, Inspiring Tech Leaders podcast with me, Dave Roberts. I'm joined today by my special guest, Dr. Bill Limond. Bill is a CIO, a non-executive director, and a true technology leader. Bill's extensive career highlights include senior positions within BP, Pilkington, British Gas, BAE Systems, Transport for London, the Department of Work and Pensions, the City of London, Qatar Supreme Council of Health, and the Cabinet Office, to name just a few. Bill has an MA degree in physics from Oxford University and a PhD in geophysics and physics from Cambridge University, as well as several linguistic degree level qualifications. He is also a fellow of the BCS and has featured in countless publications across a distinguished career. It's such an honor to have you here today with us, Bill. Well, thank you very much, Dave. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. I hope everybody else is too. So, so really, it's just you know, wanted to start out with, you know, where did you start your, your IT, to, IT career? And, and did, you, you know, did you know that was the career path that you wanted to follow? <laughs> um, the answer is going to be no. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a rather uh, tortuous path, I'm afraid. Started off um, doing a PhD in geophysics at Cambridge, but actually that led me to France, to Paris, because the um, compute capability in Cambridge wasn't big enough for what I was trying to do. Uh, trying to do the impossible, which seems to be the you know, story of my life ever since. <laughs> um, but uh, they said I couldn't get a reflection off the, the Moho, the Moho River discontinuity between the crust and the mantle. Um, but at the end of the day, did so, uh, and it and it led me very much into how do you work? How do you work with people? How do you actually persuade them that you're going to that this is going to work? Especially as we were dealing at sea with two different ships, one British, one French, um, and uh, you know, doing all sorts of things like dropping lots of explosives in the water. I could tell you some stories about that. Um, but um, that led me then on um, to, uh, oh, okay, finished the PhD, did a uh, postdoctoral again. The thing about geophysics was we were using computers a lot. We were, we were into super number crunching. And um, I'd uh, obviously done a lot at Cambridge. Then I did a postdoc uh, with my wife, actually, in um, Paris. Uh, following on with the work I'd done there and had a lovely trip down to the Antarctic and trips to the Mediterranean. Uh, but then decided, oh, need to do something useful. And my wife had got a job in BP um, back in London. So I came back to BP and joined BP. It led from there into computing, uh, not directly, but as a user and very much um, uh, sort of uh, computing commercial terms, et cetera, for exploration and uh, production. Because in a sense, the, um, the oil companies, and certainly in EMP, uh, exploration and production, and uh, linear programming, were the guys who really brought computing in at a corporate level very early on, and were starting to put in things like strategy and governance for information systems. So I was having a varied career in BP, became deputy chief executive of BP Fast Moving Consumer Goods. Um, interesting organization. We used to sell 80% of the UK's private label wash-up liquid. I bet you didn't know that. I didn't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> and um, then uh, as BP does, it moves you on in every two or three, four years. Um, 
And I decided I just, well, oh, actually, no, I was caught on the hop because I was asked to do an IT strategy for BP fast-moving consumer goods. And then the hell, I hadn't really any idea what to do. Um, but we had set up in BP a group called the Information Systems Administration, which was looking at strategy and governance and um, trying to get things together because it was realized that this was important and people were doing sorts of odd things all around the world. Um, so joined them and got an education very much on the job with them doing their IT strategy, uh, vendor relations and, and stuff like that. I was then going to go back into ENP um, in exploration and production in BP, but um, I was headhunted um, to do a job as the first CIO in Pilkington up in St. Helens, a highly innovative company because they had developed the float glass process, of course which is now how glass and flat glass and uh, auto glass is made worldwide. Um, so a real uh, success story. Um, and then it led on from there. So uh, CIO at Pilks, and then I was headhunted again um, into British Gas. And it was just at the time British Gas was completely pivoting from being a 13 region organization, which was very much public sector, into five uh, strategic units across uh, the UK and three internationally. Uh, I mean, they be, be, uh, BG, where British Gas were actually running things like Buenos Aires uh, gas infrastructure and Cairo's gas infrastructure. Um, so there was quite a big international business. Um, and then it led on from there into um, various, uh, so that, that was a very big change uh, uh, program, by the way, with um, with British Gas, because we were pivoting, and then we were splitting into the regulated and non-regulated businesses. So the non-regulated went into Centrica, and the regulated went into BG International, uh, along with the EMP. Uh, and that led me on, and then I started up an interim uh, career so that means that I go in for uh, reasonably short periods of time, varying from six months to two years into an organization, either in setup mode, setting up what they, what they need for digital transformation or their IT. And um, so, uh, or else into troubleshooting mode if they're having problems. And it's amazing how many problems organizations can have with their IT. So as you said, Dave, then uh, a range of organizations that I've worked with very much. So, so, so over that time, you know, what, what do you think has been the best bit of advice that you've received um, yeah, during your career? Ha, ah, that's an easy, that's, a, that's an, easy, uh, an interesting one, isn't it? And um, I, I think it's around, Keep your persistence, keep that, you know, keep the grit going, keep the enthusiasm, the empathy and the energy, because they really beat what you'll find a lot of uh, in your corporate career, ignorance and apathy. Um, and I really very much adhere to strategic opportunism. Be ready for the opportunities and keep learning. And the, the great thing, you know, Dave, I find about IT 
and digital now and um, information management and data management is it's the fact that you've got to keep learning. You've got to keep curious. You've got to keep that open mind. Yeah. And that really helps with this sort of career um, because the thing is changing. Herr Eckert has said, uh, you know, change is constant. And in this, this particular area, it really is. And that's the exciting thing about it. I mean, you, you can't sit still, essentially. Yeah, there are basic agree. precepts. There are basic uh, tenets that you've got to keep to, um, and certainly in terms of your own ethics and so on. But, um, you know, the, the whole world is changing, and it's changing the world. So that's the exciting thing about it. So what, you know, what do you think the main challenges uh, facing techno- technology leaders are today, then? <laughs> I don't think it's the technology. <laughs> <laughs> it's the people. <laughs> it's well, you know, uh, we did a thing on Peter. This is the old that age people process technology. Actually, that came from management in the nineties, which BP was involved in. But actually, every time I go into an interim assignment, especially in troubleshooting, it's around people. It's around organizations. Um, it's the need for that empathy. It's the need, but it's the need to cut through what, what are, you know, where are the roadblocks? Where are the real decisions being made? Um, and, you know, where have we got problems? Um, I mean, a good example was TFL. The chief executive of um, uh, TFL was uh, tearing his hair out, couldn't get, uh, uh, couldn't get onto the network, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Get me a CIO. <laughs> I came in as the CIO, and actually the issue uh, was was around the, um, the service that was being provided at the head office on uh, you know just the IT services which had been, just been set up. But the real issues in TFL were much much bigger than that, obviously, because what we were trying to do at the time was to pull together. Um, or the, it was the strategy to pull together all the modes, the buses, the tubes, the DLR, to really um, support Ken Livingston's strategy at the time, um, which was to make the you know make things much easier for the travelling public when London's population and working population was growing by a million in ten years. And of course, there were big ups, you know, big obstacles to that. So we brought in a lot um, in TFL. Um, I mean, things like Oyster Card and congestion charging, uh, Journey Planner. I don't know if you remember that. And then backed that up with um, uh, SAP back office systems in finance, uh, HR. How, how do you go about creating such a culture of, of innovation like that, though? Um, you know, because there's, there's, they're, they're massive, massive programs of work, aren't they? And um, yeah, you know, huge, yeah, huge success as well. Politics, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> so, but how, 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 how do you actually go about you know creating that that uh, that culture of innovation within an organisation? It's not me on my own. It's it's. And to a certain extent, that culture has to come from the top. There's got to be clear direction. And there's got to be that sort of open-mindedness and curiosity and learning type of environment in the organization. I mean, I learned that very early on with uh, doing a PhD at at, uh, Cambridge, that every, every coffee time and every tea time, we would sit down and discuss things around the table. And it was exciting. It was the time of... um, 
you know, plate tectonics, etc. But you've got to, that, that has to come from the top. And it did come from the top um, in TFL. It was a clear strategy to make things much easier for the traveling public. So in that sort of environment, you can bring in the, the sorts of, um, uh, you know, innovations. Are they innovations? Actually, when you look at congestion charging, there was no new technology in congestion charging, but it was all putting it all together. That was very novel. Um, and the evening standards, uh, in its um, yeah, in its wisdom, told us that it wouldn't work. Work first time. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> um, but that culture of innovation, yeah, um, it does very much come from the top. And the organisations which have it. I mean, Pilks definitely had it with, um, you know, the um, float glass technology. Um, Geophysics had it, um, and, and certainly in BP, BAE systems, we had it. Uh, and British Gas, obviously, we had it um, because we were shifting everything around, completely turning the whole industry inside out. Um, so you, you, there was that sort of environment, and it's exciting. And there's a lot of curiosity, a lot of learning, and a lot of improving. How can you actually, you know, how can you improve things? People are open to that, open um, to failure, which is not a typically British characteristic. It's I think it's much more of an American characteristic. But um, when you get that, the, the the ability to actually accept failure and move on, uh, openness and tolerance, and creating that sort of culture. An open, what I call an open-minded organization. No, I, I absolutely agree with you there. So, what what innovations or technologies do you think that organizations should be looking to adopt? You know, today now, what 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 are those cutting-edge uh, technologies that you think are, are really important to businesses? Do you know, I think it's we we talk about technology a lot, but information technology is what we create the systems from the information systems and why do we create information systems it's really to manage data manage information manage business processes all those sorts of things and improve the, the value of the information asset the real asset in any organization is the data and the information and the knowledge in the minds of the people and the intelligence that we have. So it's anything which we have which can improve that, improve the, the information, um, improve the value of that as an asset. That's all important and giving information and knowledge and intelligence uh, at the hands of the people when they need it. Those are the sorts of things. So a lot of tools will be coming along um, you look at the different sectors, some of the sectors are behind, uh, certainly in some of the public sectors, they're behind. I mean, you look at health, there's a lot to do there. Um, it's, but but it's uh, one, one good example, actually, was um, here uh, when we were um, starting to be locked down, the Garda actually then really ramped up their, um, their mobile technology. Um, put uh, really um, uh, a lot of data at, in the hands of the Garda. Certain European police forces have already done that, but it was really good to see the enthusiasm that the Garda then had. You know, if they're out on the you know out on the beat, out in cars, etc., to have that technology. 
but the, it's the data and the quality of the data that really count. So how much can you really rely on that data? And as you start to look at things like artificial intelligence, IoT, et cetera, it's gonna be the quality of the data which makes or breaks the success um, of those particular technologies. So the two are bound together. Um, sorry, I'm banging on a bit there, but um, for me, data quality, data information quality, information as an asset, these are the important things to, to create the knowledge sharing organization. I absolutely agree. You know, we talk about some of the digital transformation uh, that your organizations go through. How how do you think you can you can create that uh, digital transformation and that the 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 culture of innovation while also trying to support legacy systems at the same time? Huh. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good question. What I keep asking. Um, I think, uh, I mean, different organizations are in different stages of uh, maturity and um, on, on the journey. I mean, some of them are well, well down that journey. Um, the issue, of course, is that a lot of that data and a lot of that information uh, is in the legacy systems. And one of the definitions of legacy, of course, is, um, oh, these are the systems that actually work. Um, so um, when you're moving, it's it's quite I, it can be quite an involved process to retain obviously uh, the crown jewels and the crown jewels in terms of data and information in those uh, assets. Especially when you look at the public sector, I mean, a lot of that is citizen data, it's uh, privacy data, um, and you've got to be very careful what you do with it. So it's it it needs very careful planning um, when you're moving from one sort of environment to another and especially if you're moving for instance from on-prem to a more of a cloudy type of environment um not easy got to be well planned and well explained absolutely agree so so what do you think uh, is is the best way to communicate the um strategic value of technology when when talking to the the board about um investments in into it and into technology what what's what's the uh, what, are the, what are those key factors in communicating that to, to the executive group in my experience the most meaningful discussions are when i explain that what i call that information value chain well the technology is there to deliver the systems but it's there to manage your information assets, uh, your knowledge assets, which are the people with the knowledge, you know, the, the information, um, creating the knowledge sharing organization. And it's when you focus on that, as the light comes on, it's a light bulb. Oh, this is not just about the technology. Yep, the technology is damned important because that's what manages the data. That's what manages the assets. That's what delivers a lot of the stuff to us now in our hands. I mean, these mobiles are computers we couldn't have you know, imagined um, years ago. But it's the information. That's the information I need for making my decisions, making it fast. I mean, the Garda here were absolutely clear. Uh, they're focused on the information, the data, they need to have that absolutely right. You can't get the wrong person because then you're into problems. Um, and the number of cases that go to court and they're then um, thrown out because you got the wrong information because the, um, the database wasn't right. 
So it's the quality of information, it's the quality of data. I find that connects with the board and the ability to get that information to them quickly. Uh, the ability to close, for instance, the results, to get that management information quickly to the board. But I'm sure, I mean, you, I'm sure you've been in similar situations, Dave, because you've been in these sorts of companies which are moving fast. It's, I think it's really about you know, delivering uh, shareholder value and it's yep. you know, drive it, you know, using technology um, to, to drive that competitive advantage within an organization. I think that, you know, it, I always think when, you know, when, when uh, conveying these things with, with a board, it's about putting things in uh, business outcomes rather than focusing on the underlying technology. So. Customer satisfaction, deliver services, help the business become more productive, all this sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so, yeah, if you were to, you know, if I was to ask you to, you know, to give one bit of advice to, to someone who wants to start a career in technology and, you know, perhaps into technology leadership, you know, what would, what would that advice be? I think it goes back to this need, uh, you know, can do the impossible. There's a there's a poem I like. Uh, I don't know if you know it, Rudyard Kipling. Mm. If if you can keep your head when all about you <laughs> there's blame it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for that doubting too. Uh, it goes on. But there's a lot in there. There's a lot of basic yeah. stuff. You've got to keep that open mind. The, it's all going to change. And that's, I mean, that's part of the fascination of the area we're in, isn't it? That, um, there's no way you're going to future-proof uh, your career in, in here. You've got to be open-minded. The other thing is curiosity. Keep learning. Be open-minded. The other one is try to keep that glass half full um and it's around information knowledge data and how the technology supports all that and customer service or citizen service if you're in public sector or how you help uh, help save patients look what's happened in the health sector in the last year uh it's really come on by leaps and bounds um okay not always terribly well planned but uh, and video conferencing, that's really come on in leaps and bounds. And people have been able to see how the technology and the ability to be able to communicate over distances, uh, to um, transfer information instantaneously. I mean, I've seen projects here which have been held up for years, actually just get to go ahead in, in days. And it's keeping that open mind, but learning, keep learning. That's the main thing. I think if, if there's one thing we can guarantee uh, working a, in a technology industry is that uh, change is guaranteed. Um, and yeah. you, that, that's, that, that should be something that people embrace and uh, you know, want, want to be excited about. It's certainly you know, the, the reason why I'm in, in the industry. Um, you know, I, I... It's exciting. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's exciting. And I mean, there's a... Heraclitus has said this way back 700 BC, change is constant. Yeah, no, I think that's, uh, that, that's one thing that's definitely guaranteed. And, but, you know, what we, what we have today will look very different you know, in, in future days. <laughs> so. The other thing I'd say to, 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 to people coming in is keep that can-do. You know, uh, people may things, say things are impossible, but actually what I've learned is if you set your mind to it, you can do a heck of a lot. 
Absolutely fantastic advice. So, so it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you today, Bill. Um, I'd like to, you know, just take, take this opportunity to, to thank you again for sharing you know, those career insights and experience, and I'm sure our audience will enjoy it as well. So, you know, thank you once again. That's it. It's been really well, great. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, really enjoyed it, and uh, have a good weekend. Next week's podcast, I'll be talking with the fantastic Joe Drake, who is the CIO at The Hook Group. Please subscribe to the podcast to stay tuned for more inspiring tech leaders.